Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, today we're kicking off with a brand new series called Restart. And um, I hope you are ready, your seatbelts on, as we're going to get ready to restart. And when I'm thinking about this term restart, my mind goes to New Year's, to when everybody is getting ready and get their plans in order to kind of get everything restarted for the year to come. And everybody is getting ready with New Year's resolutions. You know those things that we always love making when we think about what we haven't done in the past year that we probably should have done or we started doing but we couldn't do it better or even the things that we should have done differently. Now, um, I mean, obviously our minds are moving towards this. So I went to quickly go and Google out New Year's resolutions, thinking about what are some of the stuff that people reflect on in their past year to try and get them ready for the next year as they're setting up some New Year's resolutions. Here are the top five New Year's resolutions according to Time magazine. Number one, losing weight and getting fit. That is no surprise. Can I say I have done that many times? Number two, quit smoking. Number three, learn something new. Number four, eat healthier. Go on a diet. Number five, save money. So just to put it out there, these are basically the top five, and I believe everyone listening today might be able to relate with them. However, when it comes to a New Year's resolution, when we assess our life, we've just come through some serious crisis in the year 2020. When we think about 2021, when we're starting to get our stuff ready and getting ready to restart, I believe there are some crucial things that we might need to reflect on to get ready for a post-corona normal, as we're all getting ready for that. So over the next four weeks, we want to invite you guys to go on a journey, to get us ready to restart, to live the life God made us to live in this world, whether it's in corona or after corona, no matter what has happened, that we submit ourselves and dedicate ourselves to living the life God made us to live. So on this four-week journey, we've put in some nice tools for you guys, and we want to invite you to join us. We've put down a five-day devotion for the next four weeks, which you can get on our website, or it's going to be circulated through all of the community groups. And we want to invite you to spend time each morning and open up your heart, open up your mind, and allow God to take you on a journey as you get ready to restart Maybe make some end-of-the-year resolutions, depending on where you see yourself. So, let's dive into week one. Week one on restarting is all about getting ready by reflecting. There is this business Harvard review, uh, Harvard Business Review by Jennifer Porter, where she writes about the importance of reflecting. To reflect before you get going, just almost like a New Year's resolution would be reflecting about where you are in order to go to a next point. And in this little uh, review, she pointed to two studies that was done on the importance of reflection. She said the first study, and this study they demonstrated by asking employees in a business environment to just take 15 minutes at the end of each day and just to reflect about lessons learned during that day. That's all. Just reflect 
on what did you do that you shouldn't have done or could have done better in the past. And what they found, if people just implied, uh, uh, implemented this only after, after only just 10 days, what a short time span, there was a 23% increase between the people reflecting and the people not reflecting about what they're doing. I think that's a, quite a clear scientific point that's being made. They also did a second study where they recommended to UK commuters, people um, commuting on their way home, to while they're commuting on their way home, just to start thinking about planning their day. So thinking about the past and then planning what to do next. And what they found by, in this study is that the people who did this found themselves more happy, more productive, less burned out than the people who didn't do it. I think Soren Kierkegaard sums it up beautifully in this quote when he says the following. Now, he's a Danish philosopher and theologian, and he says, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. The importance for me and for you to get ready to restart, to go forward with our life after some big crisis has hit us, and that we know is a reality for each and every one of us listening today, the first key is to understand where you come from. So let's dive in and start reflecting. What does it mean to reflect? Well, to reflect means to think about what you are thinking. That's literally what it means, to sit down and to think about what are you thinking at this very moment about where you are in life. In fact, this is a biblical principle. Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 5. He says the following, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So he's talking about being in this middle of this battle, this war. It's tough times. And he says, great guys, so we have something here in our hands. And he says, we demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's Paul busy saying? Well, he's saying there is a war going on. It's not here. It's, it's against powers and principalities in the air, meaning he's referring to a spiritual battle. But then he's saying there's a battleground for this war, and that battleground is in your mind. And he calls us to reflect to take captive, to discern. You know, that means that you and I have the capacity to either accept thoughts into our life or to reject thoughts that comes in to our minds. And what Paul is busy describing here is he's saying that there are different voices that can plant thoughts in your mind can lead you astray or either bring life. So some thoughts will bring life and some thoughts will reap and bring destruction. Now, when we look at this, the importance of reflecting, of taking captive and discerning every single thought that we have is clear in Scripture. So what does it mean to discern? How do I know what thought comes from where? Well, maybe just to quickly help, I think there might be three voices that we need to discern from in life and where we find ourselves. The first one, I believe the Bible tells us, is the enemy, the voice of the prince of this world. 
And um, how do I know whether the enemy would be speaking to me? Well, I, maybe just quickly three clues. The first one is that the enemy lies. The Bible calls him the father of lies. He lies and he deceives. Now, the thing about a lie is that whenever you believe a lie, you don't necessarily want to share it with someone. You kind of like want to keep it in the dark. So there's something that you've done wrong or something that you want to do and you don't want to necessarily spread it to the world because you want to kind of like, you keep it in the dark. The other thing about deceiving is when you are being deceived, you do not always know you're being deceived. You, you are led astray. I'm thinking about someone that I had the privilege of getting to know and um, who went through a really tough time. And by being in a bad relationship, this lady got deceived got deceived to believe lies in her life. And you know what was so interesting in that time? Because, because she's being deceived, she has no clue of where she's going. She doesn't know this. She believes what she's hearing is the truth. However, the family that was around her, all Jesus followers, people that really loves Jesus and loves her, all of them warned her. And the moment you're in a place where you either want to keep things from the people around you, the family around you, the Christ followers, or when they warn you and you don't want to listen, it's probably thoughts of the enemy placing lies and busy deceiving you. The enemy also loves to condemn us. You know, condemnation focuses on that, the fact that you are wrong and not just what you've done is wrong. The enemy loves to accuse us and tempt us. And when we fall for his temptations, he condemns us. Those are thoughts that's not of God. They are thoughts of the enemy. And maybe I can just say this. When it comes to the enemy, I think it's important to note that he has an agenda. John, it says the following. It says, the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the agenda that he has for your life. And the reality is, is every single thought that he plants will lead to that space. That's the first voice. The second voice would be my own voice, the voice of my own heart, my own desires speaking to me. In Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says the following. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things. So this is not necessarily a voice that we want to give into. It's not a life-giving voice. It's not the kind of thoughts that we want to accept and that we want to allow to run free in our mind because it can be deceitful. So we need to take those thoughts captive and we need to bring it into obedience to Christ. So let's think about where we are currently. The world has been hit by global coronavirus pandemic. Some people have even called this a world war. But it's not just a crisis out there. It very quickly became a crisis right here. Right here. For so many of us. Where you realize the battle becomes a battle of fear. Fear in our mind. For so many of us, we've been overwhelmed with the fear of maybe Physical death. Maybe you're vulnerable to this virus. I remember the first time I heard about it and all of the uncertainty and doubt. I mean, I would go to a shopping mall and that was just before lockdown happened. 
I would go to a shopping mall, but everything I touched, I would be so hypersensitive because I'm so afraid. Maybe some of you can relate with that. Maybe you're very vulnerable and fear has kind of almost paralyzed and overwhelmed your thoughts. Maybe it's not just a fear of physical death. Maybe it's a fear of financial death. To realize the implications of an economy standing still. Wondering whether, you, whether you're going to keep your job. And For some of us, salary pay cuts have happened. Some of us, retrenchments has happened. And real honest fears are overwhelming us. For some of us, the fear of emotional death. Taking on the strain of being a stay-at-home mom, working from home, running everything, and looking after yourself has just become too much. And your emotions is busy giving in. You just can't take it anymore. It's real. As you reflect on the realities that you find yourself in. And in the middle of this crisis, for some of us, we have slipped into, not on purpose, but just due to everything that's busy happening, into giving into some false comforts, you know, those kind of things that when you look at them, you know, I should not be going this direction. And we've surrendered or we've actually compromised on living a Christ-centered life into moving into a self-centered life. We've given into some comfort foods. You know, like my wife would tell me nowadays, I need to do some social distancing from the fridge in order to flatten the curve, you know. And some of us enjoy too much McDonald's. Some of us have been giving into binging Netflix and escaping from reality. You see, when we give into fear or some false comforts as they are planted into our minds, some temptations, what we do is we compromise and miss out on the life God created us to live. So what advice do we get? I mean, if you're only going to reflect on where you come from, you would probably go into this, I'd like to call it the spiral of death and get so, you know, depressed about life. However, Paul does not just leave us in a place where he's saying you need to reflect, you need to take captive, you have the capacity to think about what you're thinking. He actually gives us something to do with what we're thinking, what we discover as we discern what we're thinking about. And I'm going to quickly read it to you. He says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what does it mean? What does it mean to make something obedient to Christ? Well, it means to submit what you think to be true, to the truth. So you might think, you know, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about this world. I'm looking at my life. Um, there is no reality that God even cares about where I am. However, that's not the truth. Because Jesus points it out so clearly that God gave his life for you. He, he loves you deeply. That's the truth when you look at what he's done. And why do we give ourselves, why do we submit to the truth? Well, the Bible makes it also so clear that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free from whatever is holding you captive, whatever fear, whatever comfort at this moment in your life that you probably have given probably into due to the crisis that's happening might hold you captive. And to, to exchange it, to bring it into obedience to Christ. Now, to bring something into obedience does not just mean to know it. It means to act upon it, to do something 
when you bring your truth and you submit it to the truth and see in light whether this is of God or this is the enemy or this is maybe just some or other nice idea from my own heart. I remember a story about a man that I spoke to not, not too far back, about two weeks ago, and just for the sake of protecting his identity, let's call him John. And um, he's kind of an elderly guy, and he had the unfortunate um, situation where he got infected with the coronavirus and was terribly sick. And I remembered as his family members asked me to pray with them for his healing process, and um, we thank God that he was fully healed, how after that moment, he's still struggling to recover, but yet there is a bigger battle going on than just the physical side of his recovery. Because of him falling sick, he lost his job and couldn't continue at that stage. That was the situation that he found himself in. And all of a sudden, his mind is filled with fear and uncertainty about the future. Where is my next paycheck going to come from? How am I going to be able to hold on to my house? And when he finally got to the point where I had the privilege of speaking to John face to face, he was in a place where in a week's time he had to move out of his house just because of the financial realities that he was busy facing. He was struggling to recover from the effects of the coronavirus that he had gone through. Needless to say, this man was flooded with fear. And as I was speaking to him, I heard it and I experienced it so clearly how the Holy Spirit prompted me to point out to him and ask him, what are the voices that you are allowing in your life? And as we opened up the discussion, it was so interesting that he pointed out one, at a certain stage, he mentions this phrase. He says, you know, I, I know, I know, I know this, I know this, and I, and I believe, you know, and I'm trusting God will look after me. And, and I know it's written and it's said that even the hairs on your head is counted. Um, you need not fear about tomorrow. God will look after you. And I, and I looked at him and I asked him, who planted that thought? Who was the author of that idea that's in your mind? And the moment we could identify, because he was in a panic, stressing about everything, and saying that he cannot hear God's voice in the middle of this crisis. And as we were busy speaking, the next moment he speaks the words of Luke chapter 12, verse 7, that says, Why even the hairs of your head are numbered? Fear not. You are more valuable than many sparrows. God looks after you. And I showed him God's truth is present in your life. I could see in that moment how a weight just dropped from that man's shoulders as he realized God is with him. He will never leave him. He will never forsake him. He's always going to be with him no matter where he's going to go through. That's the truth. Even though he was overwhelmed by uncertainty, and feeling isolated and not knowing whether God is going to answer him or whether he's even hearing God. I had a privilege of baptizing that man the next day and we celebrate someone that has found peace in submitting his truth to the truth. And why am I saying that? Because there is a gift that we receive when we do this. I want to read it to you. It's in Philippians chapter 4. Paul writing again and he's saying the following. The Lord is at hand. 
Do not be anxious about anything. You need not fear about anything. God is there. He's here with you and me in the middle of Corona. If you reflect about the situation that you know, you need not fear for God is with you. And he says, instead of being anxious in everything by prayer and supplication, but thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So open up, tell God. God, this is where I am. I don't know where money is going to come from next. Speak to him. And then in verse 7, he says, if you do this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. When we submit our truth to the truth, when we reflect and we bring and we discern and we're saying, Jesus, I want to bring everything, every thought in obedience to you, we receive the peace that guards our heart and our mind. Some of you may have heard the story, but during the coronavirus, my brother lost his job and he gave me a call uh, the day that it happened. And I remember him being overwhelmed with a sense of... Um, Incompetence. I, am I not good enough? What have I done wrong? And questioning even his calling at that moment. And he said that morning as he was praying and asking God, why is this happening? He's been so good. He's been faithful in his job and in his work. And um, people actually asking him, aren't you angry at God for what's happening? So he went to God and started speaking. He was bringing these ideas, these thoughts that he had about the situation that is in before God. And as he was doing that, he was overwhelmed by God's goodness. I remember a moment in our conversation where um, the Spirit just led me to tell him, you know what, you are a child of God. Therefore, you're not a victim of your circumstances. And God has a plan with your life. And when you're going to pray about a new job, you're not going to be, God, where's my next job going to come from? How are you going to help me? No, you're going to say, Jesus, you made me. You have a plan for my life. Where do you want to use me next? That is speaking with authority. And there was just, we were both in tears, and there was just a great sense of peace. Today, he received a job in the middle of Corona, a better job, where he has greater opportunities with a greater salary, which is an amazing testimony. The other day, I kind of have a lot of opportunities to speak to groups of people. And at one of these talks, there was a girl putting up her hand while we were talking about some bad decisions that we make in our life and how this affects our sense of our identity and our worth. And I was chatting to this lady. And as I talked to her about the truth of her value, that if you would pay 12 Rand for a Coke, Coke equals 12 Rand. And looking at her, looking her in the eyes, asking her, so let's put your name down on this side. And if we draw an equal sign, what would be standing right next to that? What would be the number? And with confusion in her eyes and overwhelmed by a sense of not being worthy, not being priceless in God's eyes, she, she hesitated to answer. And I started naming amounts. I started saying, well, a thousand rand, a hundred thousand rand. 500,000 rand, and I could see she's getting uncomfortable with the size of the number. And then I said, how about a million rand? And when I said a million rand, she got to the point where, the, where it's so uncomfortable that she just said, no, that's too much. That's too much. I'm not worth enough. Where do you think that comes from? That is not a truth. 
God gave his son. I looked at that lady and I said to her, you know what? When God decided to put a number next to your name, it wasn't a number. It was a name. It was Jesus. That's how valuable you are in his eyes. And I could see right there in front of me as she's getting teary, tearing up as the truth is busy setting free the thoughts and the fears and the uncertainty that she had in her mind. I want to end off today by getting practical. And as we're getting ready to restart, I want to ask you, maybe it's time to, after this moment, pour yourself a nice cup of tea or some coffee, whatever you like. Get together a pen and a paper and ask God, what thoughts do you need to bring into obedience to Christ? What do you need to take captive and submit to the truth of Jesus so that you can live the life, as you're getting ready to restart this life, that you can live the life God made you to live. Let's pray. Father, as we're getting ready to restart, I want to pray that your spirit would be with every single person today, going to sit down, to bring every thought, take it captive, bring it into obedience to Jesus, so that they may be set free that they may enjoy the peace that Jesus brings, the Prince of Peace, in this life, as they get ready to live the life you made them to live. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.